0: This is the Development Locker podcast, and this is your weekly investment in your development as you continue your transition through life and academy football. In season three, we bring you even more episodes, more guests who you can connect with, and even more insight into individuals like you who have a similar experiences in pursuing a career in the professional game. Over the next 11 months and 48 episodes, we aim to cover the key topics you will face along your journey. From the challenges you will have to overcome, the ups, the downs, and many experiences along the way. We will be here every week to discuss the current issues in your lives, support you in your journey, and continue your development to being the best version of you in your interviews from the locker. have a confession to make. This week's episode wasn't even in the calendar or on the schedule but since I met today's guest last week I knew we had to have him on the podcast. He fits perfectly into the psychological theme we've been addressing this month, showing immense levels of determination, a high amount of resilience and is someone who has more than one identity which has helped him to deal with both success and failure. Ira is someone who doesn't just identify as a football player. He's an author, a businessman, a coach, and a mentor, demonstrating that you can have interests outside of the sport and still pursue a career in football too. Some may argue that had he not had these external influences, he may well have secured a club at a higher level, the football pyramid and had a more successful career. Others would say he simply wouldn't be the man he is today had he put all his eggs in one basket. He would have suffered mentally as a result and not gone on to achieve the many successes he has today, as well as all of those that lie ahead in the future. But we'll let you decide on that one, so sit back Enjoy that commute into training and be prepared to be informed and inspired in this week's interview from the locker. Good evening, everyone. So, this is the latest episode of the podcast, and we've got Ira with us this evening. So, we're going to get straight into the questions as we always do, and we always start off with the why. So, the question being, Why do our listeners need to be resilient, in your opinion, Ira?
1: I think it's an essential part of life, whether you're a sports person, you know, whether you're in the music industry as an actor, or whether you're just in a regular job field, I think it's essential that you're resilient because nothing ever comes easy in this life. So it's always important that you have aspects of you, you know, that some call it stickability, some call it perseverance, some people call it resilience, Um, but you need... If you ever want to get what you want in life, um, you need to be able to be resilient in order to push through certain boundaries and certain barriers that, you know, may or may not be your fault, um, but are just part of the process. So, yeah, I'd recommend it for absolutely everybody. Be resilient, keep bouncing back, keep working. um, And in the end, you know, even if you don't get what you wanted, you'll be closer than you thought.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's a great kind of way to end that that response. Really, you will be a lot closer. And, and, and speaking of speaking of close, we've had a number of episodes this month that have focused on psychology and resilience in in particular. How how did you establish resilience? So we'll go into a little bit of your journey in in, in a minute. But how did you establish that resilience in in your approach, and how did you maintain this? right throughout your football journey from you know where back when to pretty much till today
1: um i think it's multifaceted. Uh, my resilience some of it comes okay. from my faith um, i'm a christian and so you know we know a lot about the sufferings we read about jesus and everything that he went through all of the uh, characters and people in the bible um their different journeys their different life stories and so you know resilience is essentially a part of my uh, <laughs> my christian education Um, but then also, you know, rejection builds resilience, or it can build resilience, let's just say that. Um, And, you know, when you have a dream and you have a goal that you want to achieve, um, you know, everything up until achieving that is essentially a a stepping stone to build more and more resilience until you actually get what you want. And and yeah, you have to have a really strong line, especially for me, you know, wanting to do football and wanting to become a professional. Um, There were so many people that, wanted to also do that um, but there had to be something different about me not just skill not just work rate but you know was i willing to bounce back when things didn't go my way um, and so yeah that's that's something that's been essential in my journey and, and it's just continued to build um, and it, it's a beautiful thing because it's managed to help me in other aspects of life as well um, other things that i want to do even in academics doing my degree um you know learning those things when you when you really want something You know, you will stay resilient through those times where you don't necessarily want to do it or, you know, things aren't going the way you want them to. You just keep working um, and eventually you'll reach uh, a good place.
0: And you you mentioned there, rejection builds resilience. Is that something you knew before you started your football journey at an early stage of your football journey? Is that only really something you can learn, contemplate, experience as you come through, you know, the multiple transitions that you've gone through? Is it something that you've always believed in or something that you've learned along the way?
1: Um, I think a bit of both, you know, I think when you watch every successful person's journey, they have been through hardships and they've just kept going. Um, you know, Richard Branston. Failed many times, you know Barack Obama uh-huh. failed many times. Uh-huh. You know even professional boxers they didn't have completely uh, unblemished records in their amateur records, so they must have um, failed many times on the way to get into the professional level. So everybody in in life that succeeded or achieved anything has failed or has been rejected at some point because you know rejection is not necessarily because you're not good enough all the time. Sometimes it's just somebody's personal opinion, um, and so you have that element of watching others, but then I think experience is a phenomenal teacher um, because it does separate, you know, those who really, really want it. Uh, And it's a little bit bad to say that because, you know, there are people that really want it, but, you know, they Mm -hmm. just get bogged down with the fact that it just gets too much. Um, And so, yeah, it, it does build, you going through it yourself does build in you. The idea that, you know, every single rejection at some point in your in your journey, like especially for me at some point in my journey, I realized that, you know, this was just a bus stop on the way to, you know, the destination that I was trying to get to, which was achieving a professional contract. And so every rejection, it's almost like it just built a a tougher layer of skin um, and made me want to achieve it even more because it was like, you know, I really believe you know, that I'm going to achieve this goal. But for some reason, somebody else doesn't. And so that means I need to believe in myself that little bit more because, you know, I can't rely on, you know, uh, an under-14s manager, you know, believing that I'm going to become a professional. I can't rely on, you know, the guy down the street who watches me playing Sunday League or my school teacher or my parents or whatever. You know, I have to have that within myself because I'm the one who's going to these clubs and training or I'm the one that's going to this. Um, football club and getting signed and then getting released like so I'm going through all of that um so I need to have my own personal resilience yes you'll have support yes you'll have people around you but if you don't have that on your own and I, I think it, it is heavily built on what you go through um then yeah it's it's, it's going to be an even more tough ride because it's already tough
0: I mean, one one final one there on resilience. I mean, you've mentioned quite a lot in, in in that answer, but and and knowing your background as as I do on our previous chat that we had, there must have been times during your journey, during those transitions, those bus stops, as you put it. Have you ever questioned yourself or kind of, Felt like your resilience is at an an, an, an all time low or lower than it should be. You know, what, how have you bounced back from that? How have you maintained your high levels of resilience? Because from following your journey from a farm, we'll go into a lot more detail in, in a minute through the questions. But you know, you you've gone through you know a number of clubs. You, you you've wrote a book. You now you know going into the mentoring and coaching aspect. There must have been parts along the way where you just really thought, "Look, well, is is there a point to this?" is this really the journey that I want to go on? So how, I suppose the question is, how did you maintain that resilience when you must have come across some pretty low points throughout your career?
1: Yeah, I've I've been through quite a few to be fair, but I think I always say to people, you know, you have to know your why. Why are you doing this? Um, And, you know, I've I've kind of transitioned out of now wanting to achieve in football for my own personal gain. Um, And it's, it's now a lot more than that. You know, there's a lot of, young people along young kids in my area where I was born and grew up that you know still have the ambitions to one day make it and they haven't had the linear journey that everybody assumes there is of being in academy at seven signing a pro deal at 17 making a pro debut at 18 like they haven't had that and so seeing my journey um you know they they can understand that you know you can still make it at 23 you can still make it at 24 like it's never too late Um, unless you decide it is and so um, I've kind of transitioned out of that space of you know you know getting downhearted and downbeat like oh you know it's not going to happen or you know you know I'm feeling a bit low or whatever yes I do feel low but I understand that there's a greater purpose to you know my journey and my experiences through football and how they can be used to really impact the lives of other people Um, and even how my story can actually help push the kid who's in an academy mm. um, that thinks that, you know, the academy is the be-all and end-all to getting into professional football to show them that, you know what, if the coach decides that this isn't a great fit for you or if you have one bad season or get injured and then get released, you can still make it if you really, really want to. Um, and so, you know, even if my the epitome of my football journey is that many young players... Uh, decide that they don't want to give up and end up becoming pros because they've watched me do it, um, then that's that's enough for me, uh, in a sense. Yes, I'd love to go and play in the Premier League and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, there's more to life than just uh, each one of us as individuals achieving our so-called ambitions and goals. Um, because if they don't help other people, which is what we're all on this earth for, is to help each other, um, yeah. then it's kind of pointless because... What's the point me making it and nobody coming with me, if that makes sense, or nobody feeling, you know, like they can achieve because I've achieved. Um, And I think as bad as it is to say, every single hardship that I face has been a marker for somebody else to know that they're not alone in experiencing hardship or experiencing setbacks. um, And you can still achieve after the numerous setbacks. Um, I have managers, you know, friends that laugh at me when they say, oh. You know, you're going to sign for another club next year. Is that going to be club number 50? <laughs> like, um, but it's, it's, it is a hard process because obviously, you know, everybody would love to be a Steven Gerrard that goes to one club and stays at that club forever. But there's so many extenuating yeah. circumstances that, you know, you, if you want to make a career, sometimes you do have to move and you do have to leave and you do have to go and just play football. And so, yeah, you have to build that inner resilience. And um, for me, I've had many moments where I've thought, you know what? should I still be doing this and then when I do it when I have those moments I always remember you know the little kid that lives in Ashford Kent that's been told that no good player will come out of Kent or not many pros will come out of Kent that really thinks they can and they have a representative or a role model in me that's doing it or that's showing that it can be done even later um, than what the so-called norm is so yeah
0: no, That's great, that's great I mean and you know like you said it's it is a journey. There are bus stops along the way, and yeah, it is those kind of failures that do make you as a person, as well as well as a player. That's you know my great belief. But yeah, it's good to hear that you've got a similar belief as well. And, and speaking of belief, you spoke there about your book. So the title of your book is "What Is a Man," yeah. and to put you really on the spot is there a short answer to that question without kind of, I don't know how many chapters your book is. I've not had the chance to read it or order it yet, but without kind of giving too much away, is there a short answer to that? Or is it kind of, like you said before, multifaceted? Is there plenty of layers to get to the the answer of that question?
1: Yeah, I think there there are plenty of layers. I'd love to say it in one sentence, but I've (laughs) I've written it in a book, so (laughs) I've got there in the end, but... No, I think um, a lot of people ask me that question and I think one of the the main or common themes that I always resonate with is um, that a man is a human um, and human means that you know you have more than one element to you you're not just a masculine person you know who who's rough and tumble and that's why on the front of the book you know we have you know normal stigmas that are attached with manliness like aggression and strength and you know abusiveness and you know being dishonest and unfaithful and stuff because they are a lot of the stigmas that are attached with manhood um but just because you know they're common themes doesn't necessarily mean that they are what defines manhood um you know a a small portion of men do portray those characteristics but that doesn't mean that's what men are and so my aim with the whole book in a sense was to really educate people in understanding that you know manhood starts with identity, um, and identity, you know, knowing who you are, knowing who you were made to be, knowing that, you know, there's more than, you know, this, this very streamlined viewpoint of, you know, male traits being what makes you a man. Um, Because how do we relate to females if we don't understand sensitivity or sympathy and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just understanding character. Um, that a man is a man of character you know he has integrity, He's honest um you know you have to be disciplined but also there's different roles that you're going to play in life um and just helping people to understand that as well that you know there's different things that are required in different stages and there's a reason why you know there's a process to life um and if you can sometimes just be honest and say you know I'm not quite ready for that stage yet um then a lot of issues that we see in life would be negated if we were to just be honest with ourselves um but that's something that as men we haven't really been trained to do to be honest with ourselves and honest with others um because we haven't been taught how to positively manage our emotions and express them in a positive way and so through some of the aspects of my book and 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 some stuff that i'm in the process of jotting down notes for for a a potential other book or course or whatever okay um, yeah it's to really look at that aspect of you know are a lot of us as men actually ready to take up that role of being a man in life Um, and so this is like a foundational tool and a manual um, that helps people to understand you know some of the elements of manhood like a basic level that they can live by um, and be a better man because of um, but there are definitely a lot more elements that i'd love to touch on um just through study and through actually mentoring myself um, and mentoring, mentoring the young people, sorry, that I mentor, um, it, that I've noticed um, and that, that are very hot spot points uh, that definitely need to be addressed.
0: I mean, you, you talked about perceptions there, and, uh, you know, in your book, I know you talk about those perceptions from society mm-hmm. regarding a man. Do you feel that society also has an unrealistic perception of academy players, you know, there's two or three documentaries on at the moment, you know, there's a lot of debate going on around, you know, the the coaches, the players, the parents, how academies are, are looking after those individuals as people. But do you feel from kind of the, the other side, and you know, you've been on the inside of academy football and through professional football, do you feel society has a, a certain perception of what academy players are? Is that an unrealistic one or an unfair one?
1: I think footballers in general, there is a very unrealistic expectation. Um, I think, you know, this idea that just because you're good at a sport, you now apparently have great character and are supposed to be the role model to someone's kid. I think it's so backwards. It's unbelievable. Um, Because you haven't proven your character at any stage of your life. All you've done is be good at something. Uh, and So now apparently that qualifies you. To be the role model to a six- year old kid, you know in all aspects of life. And that's the, yeah. the worst part for me is that you know what society has done is that it's glorified gifts and talents uh, and and henceforth negated character uh, and things like that. And so even with academy players, you know the way that the system is set up is to make them feel like they are professional footballers. Um, but when you have that, and society, and blue ticks, and social media, and putting out of such and such football club in your bio—that just puts these guys on drugs when it comes to, you know, fame and acclaim and this this attitude that they've already made it and that they're above the law. Um, and and it's not helpful for them because the second they get into real life, because realistically, football is an incubator; it's not real life. Um, the second they do get into the real world they are shocked because it's like oh wait you know I can't get away with this I can't get away with that (laughs) and it's like but yeah you know when they go into non-league oh you know so we don't we don't get to take training kit home you know we don't get free boots but and it's like no you don't (laughs) you're in a you're in an environment where they're trying to make everything easy for you so that you can succeed Um, but sometimes and I think this is where you know, a lot of senior pros and older players who have had Mm. to go through the school of apprenticeship and cleaning people's boots and cleaning the change room, cleaning the stadium, would have the argument that now football's gone soft because, you know, young players, because of, obviously, the idea of, you know, wanting to make them feel and make them prepared for the professional game, as in the real professional game, um, that a lot of the, you know, the basic things that instilled good character and good morals Mm. have kind of been taken out for the idea of you know we want to prepare them for when they come to the first team and they do away trips and all that sort of stuff so they know what to do Um, you know that's all glitters and gold really but it doesn't actually help them you know become better um, better, better people for society or better members of society so um yeah i think there's an extremely unrealistic expectation and it's something that i would love to you know have the conversation about or even address because i think obviously with the new wave of player care and life skills programs that's definitely adding much help um but i do think there is an element um where people or young men young academy players need to understand you know you're not above the law like Mm -hmm. you're really not and and you haven't made it until you've made it, um, you know, especially with the academy system now where, you know, there's a lot of players, like there is a lot of players in academies. You've got like clubs like Chelsea who are loaning out 50 players.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: you've not made it. You haven't, you know, you're part of a phenomenal club, but you don't play for them, if that makes sense. Um, and so it, it does sound harsh, obviously, and everybody would love to be, part of those 52 players because they'd be getting 10 20 grand a week on a six-year deal but (laughs) it's not real life because you know we got involved in football to play football didn't we we didn't get involved in football to you know just be a number um so yeah i think society and the academy system could do a lot more to help players to be better prepared for life not just best prepared for professional football which again, maybe that's an unrealistic expectation because it's not necessarily their job. <laughs> but um, it's all part and parcel, I think.
0: Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, I've never thought about that the other the the other way around. Like you just spoke about it, if almost by default, making these young people at whatever age almost role models to, like you said, six-year-olds when they've never asked for that. They've probably not mm. got the skills, the experience, the knowledge to to be able to do that. But yet we automatically, when I say we society, lump mm. that on them straight away, don't we? And it's, yeah, I've never thought about that. It's very, very interesting. I mean, speaking of perceptions and, and the public and society, now, We've done a previous episode on identities, and I know you just talked about that. You know the, the multi layers of what it is to be a man. How has having many different identities helped you as you've experienced the many transitions in your career? And when I say many transitions, not just the move from club to club, but also from you know professional football to non-league football, and now into you know being an author going into your own business the mentoring and coaching side of it has having multiple identities helped you to achieve those things or has it sometimes been a bit of a curse because you're trying to do many things and maybe that has that ever had a kind of a a negative effect on some of the, the kind of ventures you've gone into
1: um I would say that it's not necessarily multiple identities because I would categorize identity as who you are, not what you do. I think this is a a global issue as it pertains to football in particular, Mm -hmm. because a lot of footballers when they retire or when they're released now no longer know who they are because they've stopped doing what they did, if that makes sense. And so this is where, again, with, with the book and with my mentoring program, I'm very big on informing people of their identity who they are who they were created to be not you know what they currently project um because just because you currently project that you're a student doesn't mean you were created to be a student for the rest of your life you know just Very because true. you're currently a footballer just because you've retired from football does that mean that you should die the day after and it doesn't does it like <laughs> you know your purpose in life is greater than you know the little um, moments in time that you perform a certain role um and so even when you look at football in regards to the whole span of your life if you live for 70 years and you play football for 15 it's it's really a speck of time it's not much Um, and so to base your identity off of something that's not even a third of your lifetime it's silly in my eyes but again this is where society doesn't help because we put labels on people um, and so when we put a label on somebody, they resonate with that label they get a claim from that label. And so they attach their identity to that label. And so when that, when that label now gets taken off them, that's where the struggle comes. They don't, don't know who they are. They don't know what, why they're here. And that's why we see, even especially with men, the suicide rates are higher because it's almost like we've been trained to only be useful in life when we're doing something not just be useful because we're useful or not just be valuable because we're valuable human beings we're valuable because we earn money we're valuable because we're good at a sport or good at uh, music or we're we're good at law or we're good looking but what happens when you know i don't know you have a bad hair day are you you're not valuable anymore or what happens when (laughs) you're you get you know you retire from football you're not earning as much money anymore you know these sorts of things and that that's why for me, I had to, at 14 years old, when I got released from Gillingham, is when I realised, um, you know, there is really more to life than football. And there's more to me than being just a footballer. And so when people used to say to me, oh my gosh, you're Ira, the footballer, I started to say, stop saying that. I'm Ira, just Ira. That's all I want to be called. You know, yes, I play football, you know, because I don't want, someone to call me Ira the businessman or Ira the author or Ira the mentor. I'm just Ira, um, but I wear different hats. And I think by me wearing those different hats, it's actually helped me um, in terms of stabilizing my identity, because I know who I am and I know that I have multiple gifts and multiple areas where I can be uh, impactful in the world. And so it doesn't matter whether all of them are making me millions or billions. I'm still IRA. Does that make sense? And so when I'm playing football, I can be a little bit more free knowing that I don't, like, I don't have to play football. I choose to play football and I have the privilege of football, you know, validating me by somebody wanting to sign me. Um, But if I was to stop playing football tomorrow, you know, obviously I'd I'd miss it, but it wouldn't stop my life from moving forward, if that makes sense. Um, And so, that's an important aspect for me is that these other things allow me to show off a holistic person um, rather than just a gift and talent
0: oh it makes perfect sense i think the the final question on identity i'd love to ask you is do you feel that you've had a shift or a change in who you've identified as now again similar to the you know the perceptions and your journey and the resilience. I'm either rightly or wrongly assuming here that your maturity and how you identify as just Ira and you wear many hats has come through your experiences along that journey. Have you you always been of that thinking or did you, as most academy players do, identify as an academy player, as a striker, as a, Mm. you know, whatever it may be, behind the club batch, and then to who you are has it been a massive change in your way of thinking or have you always kind of been of that that thought process of no i'm i'm just ira i just so happened to play football i just so happened to have wrote a book to now be going into business
1: um it's definitely changed over time i think when i was younger you know because i was very good at football you know it's just quite an easy label to just be latched onto me um and it was something i obviously wanted to become and still do you know want to be the best footballer i can be but um i think through being released through being injured multiple times and having quite lengthy spells off the pitch um it it's helped me to put my life into perspective um my last major injury was while i was studying a degree Um, and I was out for due to be out for 18 weeks so I didn't play football for 18 weeks um, which is something like what four and a half months I think four and a half Mm -hmm. months yeah so four and a half months um, without football and so I think that was probably the biggest maturing phase in my life um, in terms of this whole shift of identity because it was like so you're not playing football for four and a half months what do you have to do you know what You know, who are you without football? Um, And so I decided that I was going to dedicate all the time that I would have done playing football into doing other stuff, you know, personal development, um, you know, reading the Bible, um, you know, studying my degree, obviously, (laughs) because that was necessary, Um, and, and things like that that would actually help me to understand holistically more about myself and to learn about myself and learn you know who is Ira when he's not playing football because you know what it's like football takes up the whole of your life you know it does you become yeah you become you know etched into the fabric of the football industry whether you're in the pro game or not in the pro game it just becomes an everyday thing um because you can't do this because you've got a game tomorrow you can't do that because you've got a game today like um and so with all of that being stripped of me um my question to myself was, okay, who are you if you'd never play football again? Um, and so that's how drastic I took this injury. Um, but it was actually probably the best thing I've ever done in terms of my football career because it it freed me. It was the best four and a half months of my life, even while signing a pro, even while being in the academy. Those four and a half months were the best time of my life in football, and I wasn't playing football um because it allowed me to really see that you know what I don't play football because I have to anymore. I play because I actually want to. Like I got to the end where I was like, you know what? I don't even have to go back to playing. I actually want to. Um rather than like, oh my gosh, you know, trying to rush myself back and you know I've got to get back because without this I'm nothing. Like nah I was like, you know what? Hmm. I could I could actually do this for a long time and not play. But I I don't want to. Um, And so No, I came back and, and the next season did really well. And and then the season after that was the season that I got to move into the professional game. So um, that change of mindset and and understanding truly who I was holistically, um, yeah, was, was one of the best things. And I actually, I think I started my business during that time as well when I was injured. Um, And so, yeah, lots of things were happening um, that, you know, brought colour and brought texture to my life and and also solidified my identity as a human being and as a young man rather than just as a footballer
0: and we'll move on to your football career but kind of doing things in a in a random order you mentioned there about your you going into business in terms of mentoring and coaching what what was the turning point was the one bit that really has stood out for you that kind of made you think no I'm 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 wanting to, you know, almost do a dual career. You're still playing football. You want to focus some of your attention onto becoming a mentor, a, a coach, you know, in the business world. Was the a, a standout moment? Was there a turning point where you thought, yeah, I can do this and I can do it very well?
1: I think kind of linking to what we spoke about earlier in terms of this um, uncanny um, position that footballers are put in where they're given influence without really asking for it. Um, and so, I I didn't want people to look up to me just because I was a footballer. Um, you know, if that gets them through the door, then great. But I don't want them staying around just because, oh, Ira, he's great because he's a footballer. Um, I kind of got annoyed with that after a while. I was like, is there nothing more to me that you like than just the fact that I play football, you know, and I score goals and I got good Instagram highlights? Like, you know, is there is there anything more? You know, <laughs> you do want to talk about my character? Do you want to talk about my integrity? You know, the way I talk to people, the way I treat people. Um, and I kind of realised there was a bit of a gap in that element, especially when it came to manhood. Um, a lot of these young boys looked up to me, but they looked up to me in a professional capacity, not as a person. And so I was kind of like, mm, you know, is this something that's normal for men? And so when I went out and looked for mentors myself. Um, I found that a lot of people, when I spoke to them about mentorship, they said, oh, no, I couldn't mentor you because I know nothing about football. And I was like, (laughs) no, I'm looking for a life mentor, not a football mentor. And they were like, oh, no, sorry, I don't do that. I only mentor people in business. I only mentor people in this. I only mentor people in that. And I was thinking, so there's loads of people that want to mentor you in an area of your gift and talent, which, to be honest, YouTube can do now like, you can find anybody on YouTube, anyone on TikTok, anyone on Instagram, and be a distant uh, mentee of theirs for Mm -hmm. free, Um, so the fact that people are making, you know, lots and lots of money from it, you know, fair play to them, but I found that there was a massive gap in just the general life, mentoring of young men, like, how they do life, looking at their character, you know, looking at integrity, looking at their identity, purpose, and stuff like that, and so, once I started to notice that, I was like, you know what, I might need to journey on this myself, because even me, I'm looking for people, and people are talking to me about football. And I'm like, that's not what I came here for. So I thought, well, where, you know, where do I find the right place to learn these things? And obviously, like I said earlier, I'm a Christian, and so there's so many great, you know, lessons and stories and morals in the Bible um, that can help us to understand manhood, just on a generic level. Um, And so, yeah, I looked up lots of stuff, did loads of research over about six to eight months. Um, And then for a year, I was writing together a program that I would potentially want to do in terms of mentoring. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I had a few people come to me and ask me, oh, you know, have you considered being a mentor? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not really going to do that because I was in the process of doing the program. (laughs) <laughs> and I was kind of like, I'm not really ready to be a mentor because I hadn't had any certifications or anything. Um, you know, I didn't do any. Obviously, i had done a business degree, but, you know, there wasn't really like a mentorship element to it. It's leadership practice, um, which is great, but it's not specific to life mentoring and stuff. And so um, when they were asking me, I was kind of like, mm. but then a lot of young guys started asking me had I considered being a mentor. And so I thought, you know what, let me find out what they're looking for before I say no. Um, and funnily enough, a lot of them wanted somebody to just mentor them through life and manhood. So I was like, OK, let's do a pilot. And I had 10 mentees um, and we were doing a group mentoring program. Um, and then by about seven, seven months, five or six months into the program is when I started writing the book. Um, because I was like, this is having a massive impact on these young guys how do I get it to more people without me having to do more work Um, because obviously as a mentor you can't mentor thousands or millions of people so it was like and I wouldn't want to try either (laughs) because it's emotionally draining Um, so I I said you know what let me try and put it into a book or an online program but I went for the book first because I love writing Um, and so I wrote the book and then you know the book has started to do really well lots of parents have been getting it for their young sons um and a lot of young guys have been getting it and reading it and then funnily enough a lot of women have been getting it as well because they want to know they want um, yeah. to know what a man is so that they have you know realistic expectations you know we talked about society having unrealistic expectations not only does it have it of academy players not only does it have it of footballers but it has it of men as well um and so yeah it's been it's been a, an amazing journey and my biggest thing is I want to develop young men who are great men of character rather than great gifts and talents um because anybody can be gifted and talented but you'll never stay at the top if you have no character and we're seeing that very very often and very very evidently through the professional game
0: yeah no i totally agree in terms of that and it's yeah it's it's a it's an area that you know i i I've got an interest in it'd it be really good to to to, and I think it is really good having done some of that on um, a a degree I'd recently done I'd never really thought about it in in that way being you know executive coaching or you know a a mentoring program but it's yeah it it makes you really self-reflect and makes you think makes you come up with the answers and the solutions yourself and I think it's a yeah it's a it's a great it's a great thing to be part of and yeah I'm sure you'll be you know success at that as you have been so far in your, your football career and you know as the writing your first book and you're about to write your second one. It In terms of your, your clients or the mentees that you do take on is the or are the common areas or themes that they want to that they're looking to improve, or do they just come to you with more general things, or is there any specifics that they're looking for, kind of problems for you to solve, as it were?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of them, it's the aspect of whether it's fatherlessness or lack of a male role model. Um, okay. That's the, the big aspect they're looking at. So they haven't yeah. been educated. And so I have this saying, expectation is shaped by education, because you, you can't expect something of somebody that they've not been educated in. But funnily enough, that's exactly what society does with men. Um, When you look at young women, they are trained by their mum in the quote-unquote traditional women duties, if that makes sense. Um, You know, this is how you do your hair. You know, this is how you make a meal. This is how you, you know, do this or do that. This is how you look after a baby. You know, all of those traditional, um, you know, I don't know what century it is, but 19th century, 20th century, um, so-called female duties is what they get trained in just naturally. And I don't think their parent, their their mum does it as a quote-unquote mentoring program, but it works because they somehow just know how to do these things. And it's because they've been doing it from young. You know, they've been playing with little Barbie and been been making sure they have to feed her and do all of these things. But you see, I I see a lot of young men who haven't even been taught to shave by their dads. Uh, and mm. stuff like that. So little basics. Um, so if they haven't been taught how to shave, they're definitely not going to been taught about character and how to treat a woman and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it these are, are things and areas that they come to me for, um, because again, they see the way I do my life. They see how I treat people. Some of them have seen me up close. Some of them have seen me from afar. Um, and I know some of them come to me because I'm a footballer and I have a, a verification on social media, but. Um, if that's, like I said, if that's the thing that gets them through the door, um, then I don't mind that as long as that's not the only reason why they're there they act- and they actually want to grow as well. So I, I actually have an induction process where I ask them questions like you just asked me. What is it that you're looking for? Um, yeah. And a lot of them want to learn what it is to be a man. And so the book and the mentoring program are perfect resources for them um, to be able to journey through that process and understand it. Uh, and be able to make better and more informed life choices. Um, Rather than from a place of insecurity, um, they Mm. can do it from a place of a solid and stable identity, and and it ends up building a better life for them. Um, And I've noticed that with so many of uh, the young guys that I've worked with.
0: Moving on to your football career now, because not wanting to label you or give you a, a pre-conceived uh, <laughs> identity, but we, you know we need to talk about it because you know that's one of the many reasons why we got you on this episode. And you know, mm. kind of doing a bit of research before this, you know, you've moved quite a number of clubs, um, fifteen I think in total. If I've got my facts wrong, you can correct me. But and we've done an episode previously on uh, this month in terms of dealing with success and failure. Mm. In terms of those 15 different moves, how do you deal with the brief period of failure and then success? And when I say that, I'm probably doing you a disservice, but from an outsider looking in, never made it to academy level, never mind professional. But there must be a, a, a preconceived feeling or experience of failure when a club tells you, you're not for us. Yes, it is about opinion. You know whether it's you being released, whether there's, you know, too many people in that position and, you know, they'll, they'll support you getting to another club. You must have a sense of some level of failure. And then I would yeah. imagine that you have some then feeling of, success when you find a new club, when you sign another contract with another club in a higher division, lower division, the same division. So you as a person, how do you deal with that? And then how do you deal with that multiple times in your career?
1: I think after a while you just get used to it. It's powerful. (laughs) Um, Yeah, obviously at first it's it's a shock to the system. Um, Mm. Obviously when I was really young, I was as some would say generational in terms of talent wise. And, and that's just because I just mm. enjoyed football and I okay. played it to enjoy it. I didn't play to impress anybody. I just played to have fun um,
0: yeah.
1: and played to show off all the skills that I had. And so um, there was no real quote unquote failure for the first six years of my football career in the academy mm. level um, until I met one manager um, who changed my position and, <laughs> um, and you know change the way i wanted to play you know um and again at that age i thought it was change my identity because you know i'm a skillful winger or striker who likes beating people and scoring loads of goals and now i'm being told that you're going to be a holding midfielder who takes two touches and it's like oh no you just just ruined my identity um obviously now i know that wasn't the case but still mm. um that was probably the biggest shock to my system and i do- i don't think I knew how to deal with it because I kind of just took it and was like, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. And by the end of the season, I'm probably not going to be here anyway. um But then there was always still that bit in my head where I was like, but I'm still better than all these players, so they've got to keep me up. Um, and then <laughs> I get released, and and the culture shock comes of well, they obviously don't think you're better than all these other players. Um, and so I, that was probably the biggest failure. Um, failure moment that I'd experienced in my earlier years of of playing football and so that it shook me and and put me into a space where I was like you know what I don't have time for organized football anymore like I'm gonna take some time off and I'm just gonna enjoy playing football again um you know and you have those little moments where you know you used to be the academy kid in school and now you're just Ira (laughs) who plays Mm. for the school team Uh, yes you're still the best player in the team but you don't play for an academy anymore if you see nothing special um in that sense so it's kind of it was it was a little knock to the to the male ego um but obviously that hadn't that hadn't been put on steroids yet because it was only 14 but um yeah it was it was interesting and then as I grew I kind of you know when you go on trials and you get a no it's kind of like the set when the setbacks start to set pace and you start to You know keep going and keep getting knocked back it's kind of like you know you understand that you know not everybody's gonna say yes you know as you start you're like yeah you know i'm good enough you're in the training session or you're in the trial and you're doing well and you're like well they have to say yes i'm doing so well and then you find out that there's enough there's more to it than just you being good (laughs) um and so i think every single failure has been a learning experience um and every single failure has been a massive contributing factor to the next success, um, because it's built within me a greater resilience. But it's also built within me a greater appreciation for um, when I do succeed. You know, now I take my successes a lot more seriously because, you know, they're not every day. <laughs> um, and so it's like I actually celebrate my wins. It's funny because I signed for Grimsby you know signed a professional contract all of that sort of stuff and never celebrated it um, and now we're down the line 2 years later and I'm not in the professional game anymore I've gone back to non league um and I'm only just you know learning that lesson of celebrating my wins and that's, that's that's uh 18 years into my football career as they would say so um yeah I think it the the failures have definitely taught me to value the the success a lot more because on your journey to success you'll probably face way more failures than you do successes and so you do have to value the successes and, and value the journey that it's taken you to get there as well everything that you've learned every setback you know every single struggle um you know and even the people that joined you on the way there and um, you have to value that because you know as sweet as the success is it's very very short the time period is and so you have to make the most of that and and so that's why when, when players score goals, you know, I'll never get angry at a player for scoring a goal uh, and celebrating like they've won the World Cup because they could play four games and not score and everyone's telling them they're rubbish. Um and then they do score and it's like the the weight of the world is off their shoulders because they've mm. just, you know, they just scored. And even for me at the moment, you know, I'm just getting back into the swing of playing regularly again. And the only thing that's missing is scoring goals, which is something that I, you know, I pride myself on, obviously, as a forward. Um, so I know that the second I do score one, it's going to be like an absolute, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to celebrate. I, I don't know if I'll be able to control myself because it, it is such a euphoric moment, but it genuinely is a moment. But all of the failures feel like like monuments. They feel like years and years in time when there's still moments as
0: well but it it's just that there's so many of them well yeah i mean that's just testament to you as an individual you know in terms of that you know many i'm sure many a player many of a lesser person would have given up after you know the ups and the downs more probably the downs and the fact that you're still pursuing football pursuing other things outside of football as well as only kind of led to you really focusing on the successes, the highs, the positives and overlooking, not disregarding, but yeah, overlooking and not letting the negatives get in the way really. And yeah, finishing on a positive, as we always do like to do on here, is is—is mm-hmm. the a- a lasting message that you'd like to leave our listeners with in respect of the many transitions in football, a piece of advice or something that you'd want to share that you feel would have a positive impact on, on our listeners as they go through their many transitions through academy football and professional football as well?
1: Yeah. Um, my one would probably be a testament to my own personal life and how you know my mindset has transitioned the way I play. Um, you know, you are more than just a footballer. You know, the end of one chapter is not the end of a whole life. Um, you know, just as you see in books, the end of one chapter is not the end of a book. Um, there's still more pages to turn. There's still more, you know, twists and turns in the story. Um, and as long as you really, you know, obviously it's it's not as cut and dry as you really want it. You'll get it. You know, as long as you remember your why. You know every single success and every single failure will be worth it because in the end you know you are kind of the one that decides whether you're going to achieve something or not because resilience can truly pay off because a lot of people will stop and you carry on going and just by virtue of the fact that you carried on you end up becoming successful Um, and so i would recommend to anybody don't ever quit on your goals But also don't hold on to one area of your life as if that's what makes you as a person. Um, There is more to you than just one element, one gift, one talent, one skill, you know, one quote unquote career path. Um, You are more than what you do. You are who you are and who you were created to be. So it doesn't end if you decide to stop or if somebody forcibly makes you stop in terms of releasing you.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the the key bit that stood out from that response really is, yeah, the end of a chapter isn't the end of the book. And that's so true. I mean, the, the, the amount of analogies you've used through the episode have been superb. You know, the bus stop and, you know, in terms of identity and resilience and dealing with success and failure, you know, you, you've gone through many a different transition, probably slightly more than most, I would say, um, but not totally unique because, you know, like you said, you know, there'll be people listening to this who'll be going through their own struggles, their own transitions, and there'll be many more transitions to come. Um, but yeah, on, on behalf of those people who are listening now, um, I want to say thank you for for sparing your time, I It's been really good. I know we've, you know, connected off the, off the podcast as well. I know we'll be connected after the podcast too. So yeah, it's good. And I just, yeah, I want to thank you as well from, from, from myself because I think for an individual to have gone through so much, to be achieving so much and wanting to share that story is just immense from 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 my perspective and you know as host on this podcast because there's there's plenty for people to take away from that whether it's they're thinking about going into business they're you know solely focusing on their football you know their studies they want to become an author and write a book you know you've given plenty back there so yeah thank you
1: appreciate appreciate the opportunity
0: Not bad, eh? And certainly worth slotting in at the last minute, don't you think? A number of things stood out for me, far too much to summarise in this section of the podcast, but here goes. Rejection builds resilience. Let's be honest, we've all had our fair share of these, but you will have a few more along your journey. The sport is full of opinions, and when the time comes that someone's opinion is that you don't fit their plans, meet the grade, or aren't deemed good enough, this will simply build your resilience even higher. Each one simply makes you stronger and prepares you better for the next one. And you will bounce back ready for the next opportunity. Ira is not just a footballer and he was quite forward in making that statement. And you are exactly the same. You are more than just a footballer, so much more. You're a son, a brother, boyfriend a pupil a gamer a friend a fan a leader the list goes on we've talked about identity and having multiple of these a bit like the character in Split but in a good way but Ira summed it up perfectly having one sole identity but wearing multiple hats question is how many hats do you wear and what types If you take one thing and one thing only from this week's episode, I hope it is this, you decide whether you achieve and what you achieve in life as well as football. These were the words of this week's guest and I couldn't agree more. So after this episode has ended, think about what you want to achieve and make it happen. Take steps to plan it out, identify bus stops along the way and highlight the destination you're aiming to reach. It really is as simple as that. But that's it from us for this week. But you'll see us next week as we bring you yet another interview from the locker. thanks for listening to this week's episode and we hope you have taken many key messages away with you but the next part is down to you now by putting these into action if you'd like today's episode feel free to tell us on our various social media platforms where you can find us at the locker underscore uk for guest recommendations future topics to be discussed, or you simply want to reach out, you can do so by emailing us on thedevelopmentlocker at gmail.co.uk. Remember to share this episode and our platform with your teammates, friends in football, or anyone you feel would benefit from it. So what are you waiting for? But you're not done yet, as we look forward to seeing you next week when we bring you another Interview from the Locker.